Hey, brother! Guys, I could no doubt go on for literally days about some of the decisions that they chose to do in the Harry Potter movies, which deviated from the source material. Obviously, sometimes this has to happen for different constraints purposes, and sometimes they'll actually add something to the movies which are better than in the books. Nice one, James! I know not everybody agrees with me on that one, but I stand by it. On the other hand, though, and I know that we harp on it on this channel just so all the time, but it's because it needs to be done. Like, who let Ginny tie Harry's shoes? But then also, past? on blast ended scroots? Or also, where's Winky? Where's Hokey? Where's Hepzibah Smith? How about the Gaunt House? Okay, this is a very serious question. If you have only seen the movies, does the selection of Horcrux items seem just immensely random to you? Personally, I can't not see the movies through the lens of knowledge, which is having read the book, so I just don't know. But that being said, one thing that I have always been impressed with with the Harry Potter movies is the casting and also the props in a lot of instances. This video is not about that, but it's worth saying. But I think probably if you're watching this video, it means that at some point in time, you have wondered aloud to yourself whether or not they will ever remake the Harry Potter movies or if they'll make like a TV show version of it, which can include a lot more details, which I agree would be super cool. But I also have to say, good luck with the casting because Maggie Smith is Professor McGonagall. Fight me. Robbie Coltrane is Hagrid. Ivana Lynch is like 29 years old right now, but if you think for a second she couldn't play a 15-year-old Luna Lovegood, <laughs> you're kidding yourself. You're just as sane as I am. Though I do love the idea of Daniel Radcliffe coming back as like Sirius Black or something. Or Snape, age-appropriate Snape. That would be cool too. That said though, while the main characters in the series are extremely well cast, and I can't argue that I could have ever done better, this is a series that took place over an entire decade and includes four different directors. Which means that over that period of time, there are some odd or even dicey casting decisions that had been made. Some characters were replaced, others were deleted entirely, some others were just invented for apparently no reason, and some characters just got like an entire redesign despite the fact it was the same character the whole time. Do you think they're gonna realize that it's like the same character even though it's entirely different looking? <sighs> yeah, I think it'll be fine. Not worried at all. Classic executives, am I right? Either way, guys, today we are going to be counting down the top 10 weirdest casting calls in the Harry Potter movies. Hey, brother! Okay, so right out of the gate, I am going to acknowledge the fact that a list of 10 probably doesn't adequately cover all of the unusual topics that we need to cover. So throughout this, I'm just gonna speckle in a few honorable mentions. These would be moments where like, I either just kind of get it, or maybe it was like outside someone's control entirely. So to kick off, and I know you all know exactly where I'm going with this because it's just so obvious, Mafilda Hopkirk. Like, Am I right, people? Like, first, we get her voice, amazingly, in three, when Harry's being expelled from Hogwarts for using underage magic. I mean, nailed it! And then we fast forward to Deathly Hallows, where this is the person that Hermione goes undercover into the ministry has, and like, what, we're recasting her entirely? And on top of that, we're gonna just, what, dub this Mafalda Hopkirk's voice with Emma Watson's whole time? Yeah. Honestly, I can't talk about this one for too long because the dubbing of voices under the Polyjuice Potion just drives me crazy. But, 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 for real. Number 10, Crab, as in Vincent, 
or probably more likely as in, and Goyle. This young lad right here, the one that Ron turns into using Polyjuice Potion in Chamber of Secrets where they dub his- I, Ben, you said you weren't gonna talk. Uh, bloody hell. But it annoys me. Move on! Crab is kind of a funny one from the casting department because he just kind of like disappears. Which to be fair, you really might not be that fussed over anyway because the characters even in the books don't talk like at all. That is of course until Deathly Hallows when Crab summons Fiendfire and is credited with destroying a Horcrux. I'm glad we gave him that honor. Dobby died, but Crab killed a Horcrux. The point is Crab and Goyle don't talk in the books at all until Deathly Hallows, except for when Harry and Ron turn into them in Chamber of Secrets. Are you two okay? Goyle's low rasp of a voice issued from his mouth. Yeah came the deep grunt of Crab from his right. See, Polyjuice changes your voice. You know what, it just seems like it was more work to do it the other way. The story with this character though in the films is kind of interesting because he's there all along, all the way up through Half-Blood Prince and then abruptly drops off right before he's about to have his shining moment, a line. A real win if you are Goyle, by the way, who totally takes up the reins. Come Draco, don't be a brat, do him. I mean, wow. I almost didn't recognize you without Daniel Radcliffe's voice. This change up in a not so pivotal scene happened due to outside circumstances from the films with the actor of Crab. Jamie Waylett, who had played the character the entire time, was arrested due to his involvement in the London riots in 2011. The character's role was kind of replaced by Blaze Sabini, which you may not have noticed because he also only has one line. But all that said, let's move on to a character who has a tick more screen time, Tom. The barman. We first meet Tom when Hagrid brings Harry to the Leaky Cauldron for the first time and he greets Harry. Bless my soul, it's Harry Potter. And this isn't a huge role to be sure, but it is a huge moment for Harry the character because this is his first moment like truly in the wizarding world. And with that, Tom is the first person to recognize him as Harry Potter, the boy who lived. It's Harry's first taste of fame ever. And it's a pretty warm welcome into the wizarding world, which is extremely fitting because Tom runs the Leaky Cauldron, which is quite literally the entrance to the wizarding world. And I bring up Tom because for some reason, the character design is changed a little bit going into Prisoner of Azkaban, where he's transformed into a kind of bumbling, slightly awkward character who doesn't really seem to be able to read the room and maybe understand that Harry's a little uncomfortable here. Here, Harry Potter, the boy who lived, let me offer you a handful of nuts that I just cracked with my bare hands. And to be absolutely crystal clear, I'm not saying that Jim Tavare, who plays this character, isn't doing an absolutely fantastic job. I'm just not entirely sure why they decided to change this character in so significantly. But moving on from character designs that were changed, let's talk about character roles that were changed with number eight, Scabior. To which you might be saying, who? To which I might be saying, exactly. This is the character who is typically number two to Fenrir Greyback and the snatcher that gathers up Harry, Ron, Hermione and takes them to Malfoy Manor. And to be fair, this character is in the books and he is a snatcher, but in the movies, they really decided to go all in on him, despite the fact that Fenrir Greyback is literally in some of the same scenes. Even beyond that, this like random character goes on to sort of become like the face of Voldemort's followers. And what's weird about this is that Fenrir Greyback is in Half-Blood Prince. He's already been established as like 
a pretty significant threat. There are wanted posters for him. He kidnaps Ollivander. He destroys the burrow. He's even there when Dumbledore dies. If anything, the movies make him even more dangerous than he was in the books. He's terrifying and recognizable and the one who did it in the books and instead we get like a Jack Sparrow knockoff. And it's not even like we don't see him again. He's literally in the scene where they capture Harry, Ron and Hermione. It's the character who's supposed to do this thing is there. And later in part two, we even see him kill Lavender Brown. This could have been like a great opportunity to remind us the audience just how dangerous he is. But whatever, stand up me hearties yo ho. Anyway, moving on while we're talking about Lavender, let's talk about number seven, Lavender. I have a question. Is lavender brown like two separate colors or is the lavender describing what shade of brown we're dealing like it's a lavendery brown. This one is definitely one of the more dicey items on the list and I have a feeling you've probably heard it before. The controversy here is that Lavender was originally cast as a young black girl until Half-Blood Prince where Lavender becomes a much more prominent character as Ron's love interest. And in doing so in this much bigger role, she is recast as a white girl. And again, to be clear, this is nothing against Jessie Cave who I actually think does play a very good, cloyingly sweet Lavender Brown. I don't even totally mind the recasting, but I think it's a lot more like one of our other honorable mentions, Cedric Diggory. We super briefly see Cedric as the opposing team seeker in the Quidditch match when Harry falls off of his broom in Prisoner. And of course they didn't bring in Robert Pattinson here to kind of vaguely be in the background of like a blink and you miss it scene. And Cedric's not even referenced by name. And similarly, Lavender had not previously been referenced by name. So my concern isn't bringing a much bigger actress in to play the part. It's just recasting the race of the character further in that Lavender Brown had actually already been recast once before and both times before played by young black girls. But on the note of actor change-ups, let's talk about number six, and I guess also five, Colin Creevy. Hi, Harry. And Nigel? Colin, of course, makes his entrance in Chamber of Secrets, where he is the muggle-born wizard who is just infatuated with every single thing to do with the wizarding world. The character in general is very sweet, but also maybe a bit overzealous in terms of being obsessed with Harry due to his fame rather than just because he's Harry. He, of course, is also one of the Basilisk victims, and him and his younger brother Dennis go on to be rather significant supporters of Harry, being a member of the DA and fighting at the Battle of Hogwarts, where he does tragically die. And in my mind, as like the first year with the camera, and I, I can't bring myself to understand that Colin Creevy was a sixth year at that point. He's 17, but not in the movies where we lose Colin, never get Dennis and instead have Nigel who feels like the same character. Also for Mr. Weasley. Oh, thank you, Nigel. And my first thought, like when you're dealing with child actors like this is there is the distinct possibility that the actor himself just went through a growth spurt and no longer properly embodied the Colin Creevy that we knew. And that very well may have been the case, but it also seems like there was a little bit of a debate as to whether or not it was better to have a canon character who is being distorted from the books versus just including a non-canon character, period, Nigel. But speaking of non-canonical, let's talk about number four, Bem. Who, you might be saying? I don't know, Bem. Yes, you do. He's this kid. Not the grin, you idiot, the grim. Taking form of a giant spectral dog. It's among the darkest omens in our world. It's an omen of death. What the heck, Bem? What the heck? He's just 
doesn't even stop there. Black could be anywhere. It's like trying to catch smoke. Like trying to catch smoke with your bare hands. <sighs> Hats off to Ecal Cardi for putting the fear of death in everyone, myself included. But also, who is this random sixth Gryffindor boy in Harry's year? Seamus Dean, Harry, Ron, and Neville. There are five and a group shot of them in their dormitory in this movie. Again, the actor here is absolutely crushing it. I, I, I also feel like Dean could have said it. Or this is Divination, Parvati, Lavender. They love that class. But now you're right, they had way too much screen time as it was. Also in the same category is a character named Kella, you know, this girl. Oh, you don't know. Well, that's probably because she's not in the books or have any speaking lines. Basically in the movie, she delivers messages to Harry, but like in the books, characters who are already cast deliver these messages to Harry. Where's Nigel when you need him? That is an unanswerable question. So I'm gonna move on to number three, Tom, the barman again. No, I'm kidding. This time it's gonna be the lesser known Tom, Riddle. <laughs> Not that Tom. In Chamber, we see the reanimated, young, charming, good-looking, dark-haired version of Tom Riddle from his time at Hogwarts. He is played by Christian Coulson, and in a lot of ways, is almost exactly what I pictured in my mind when I pictured this character. But then when we go to Half-Blood Prince, we see a completely different actor playing this same young Tom Riddle who was swooning Slughorn with crystallized pineapple. <laughs> You're quite right, it is my favorite. Now, let me explain to you how to do the darkest magic I've ever heard of. Come on, Slughorn! This time the explanation is given and it was because Christian Coulson was too old by the time Half-Blood Prince came around, which I find maybe slightly surprising because he was 24 when he was playing a 16-year-old in Chamber of Secrets and was only 29 during the year of Half-Blood Prince. Heck, now he's 42 years old. And look at this guy, I think he can still do it now. Did anyone in these movies not have like a massive glow up despite already being extremely attractive people. What about you, Bem? What do you look like now? What? Keep it up, Bem. Anyway, that's going to bring us to number two from Goblet of Fire, which is probably our wackiest one on the list. Every character's hair, except for Harry's, which I would say is actually exactly right for once. But seriously, it's like every student at Hogwarts, like a college student from the 70s all of a sudden. And look, I've seen the argument where it's like high schoolers go through this phase. Look, I went through this phase. Look at all that hair. But this is also a movie where we can make them look like what they're supposed to look like. To be honest with you, this isn't actually really that big of a deal. But while we're on it, let me also show you a picture of Jay from high school. <laughs> look at that. Hit the like button if you think he should bring it back. Anyway, guys, that is going to bring us to number one on our list, which pretty much includes almost a little bit of everything from everything else on this list, including a wild hair change, Flitwick. Okay, so Professor Flitwick, you know him, second best dueler at Hogwarts behind Snape, and also for teaching charms class, being head of Ravenclaw House, and looking like this for the first two movies. And I agree, it is like they took exactly what I was picturing out of my head and put it on screen. But then mysteriously in Prisoner of Azkaban, he gets a complete makeover and instead is this like non-canonical, Toad-inspired Hogwarts choir director? This one's actually kind of a crazy story, but when we first saw that choir director at the beginning of Prisoner of Azkaban, that wasn't Flitwick. That was literally just choir director. Basically, they didn't have enough for Flitwick to do in the third movie, but they still wanted to include Warwick Davis, so they kind of invented this new character. And I guess they just didn't think anybody would recognize him, but we did. And if you're anything like me, 
I just assumed it was Flitwick. And it's the same actor. He's at Hogwarts. He's in a leadership position. And apparently that is just what everyone thought. So the studio just kind of rolled with it and was like, yeah, it was Flitwick. He loves choir. I was hoping to find you in the three broomsticks. Uh, no, uh, emergency choir practice, I'm afraid, Horace. <laughs> and I know it might sound surprising, like how could you have thought nobody would recognize him? But I also only learned while researching this video that he also plays Griphook. Guy's got range. To be fair, this is probably one of those things that you guys did know and I, and I was just a little late getting to the party. So is there any punch left? Or... Guys, for my question of the day, what did you think about all of the recasting decisions? Is there anybody that you just absolutely loved? Was there someone that you were like, this person was so good, like them, that needs to just be in the books all of a sudden? Let me know in the towel section down below. But guys, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to leave a like if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future Harry Potter action from us. If you would like to see our list of the top 10 cringy moments from the Harry Potter movies, you can do so just over here. But otherwise, until next time, bye.